With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice exceedingly glad. I'll lift up my eyes, which come upon from Coolidge, Arizona. It is the 23rd of July, 2023, uh, and we're bringing you episode number six, which will be the, the final episode in this study concerning Jesus' words as recorded by the Apostle John, John chapter 8, we've been looking at, and this is the sixth episode of that um, of that study. You know, uh, before I start, I, I, I'm always shocked when I hear uh, someone reading or quoting a scripture and adding and subtracting words. I heard it again this morning, and it just it, it shocked me because of the fact that I had been teaching from that passage in Luke for some time. It's also recorded in Matthew. Um, but when when this occurs, I don't think people realize the damage that it does. And the reason it was misquoted was the, the person 
uh, is has a uh, a certain end times belief that uh, if it was read as it was delivered, it kind of causes a problem there. So it's been it's become a habit of, for people to do such things. Doesn't take a lot. Two different words. So this is the reason that we have these studies. Now, sometimes accidentally things may um, be misquoted or misread even. Um, sometimes our versions are uh, give us a lot of trouble. We try to use uh, versions that have the very minimum of that sort of problem with pronouns and prepositions and things of that sort. So this is, I guess, a good illustration as to why lessons in the Scripture should be done so from the Scripture with the not only the original language being considered, but the grammar and all the overview, if you will, of the Scriptures in general as our background or context. With that said, through this study, throughout this uh, chapter 8 of John's Gospel, Jesus continues to repeat a phrase and allude to it. And the phrase is this, I speak the truth. Now, that sounds like something that we may hear every day from people in various times. But you know, we know on our day-to-day -day activities, we know that sometimes this really isn't this really isn't true, is it? The things that people say sometimes are not true. They may think they're true, or they may even know they're they're untrue. It depends. But Jesus keeps saying this, but he doesn't just say it, throw it out there, and give no evidence as to why. This statement is indeed accurate. He presents very good logic in his discussions with the unbelieving Jews. Very good evidence. Of course, we know that the miracles and things of this sort are part of what Jesus was doing. They did give evidence to him uh, as a prophet or a miracle worker. Um, there was even the words spoken from heaven in the presence of others that they heard concerning him. These things were known. So when he made the statement, I speak the truth, I think there was a lot of weight behind it. Now, He was not misleading them in any way. And I believe this is some of the problems that people have with religious groups of one kind or another, is the idea of people being misled, because we have a history of that occurring within certain um, and many uh, religious teachings and groups. So today... Even today, Jesus' words on the pages of our Bible, I speak the truth, hold the exact same weight, and we have the evidence 
and more even than they had that was listening to him on the day he said that. Now, we realize by reading the text that there is still much resistance to his teaching. And as it was then, so it is even today. And that's the fault of man, not the fault of the word of God, nor the, the benevolence of God towards man to send his son. The truth is always valid and unchanging. But why is it so easy to ignore and even forget? This seems to be very easily done. And I speak from some experience. But when when the truth really, when it makes its impact upon a person, it changes a, a person's life. Be, and we're going to find, and Jesus is going to explain why this seems to be a paradox of, of a real problem uh, of him speaking to the people. Why don't they believe the things of God? And we find that it is the heart and mind of mankind that causes this lack of understanding or disbelief. Now, as we move ahead in this chapter, Jesus is going to reveal the condition of those unbelieving Jews whose father is not God, the Creator. Now we know that uh, we know that their father, in a physical sense, was certainly Abraham um, in the bloodline, yes. and they claimed him as a father, and indeed he was in that sense. But they also claimed God to be their father. But friends, this is where Jesus makes his point: you cannot reject him, and Say that God will be pleased with you and he is your father. That was the situation that was uh, had befallen them at this time and it's very necessary for us to understand it. Now we're going to be reading from John 8 uh, verses 45 through 53 to start with. Um, so let's turn to that and read that passage. Forty-five through fifty-three. And because I say the truth, you do not believe me. Who of you doth convict me of sin? And if I speak truth, wherefore? Do you not believe me? He who is of God, the sayings of God, he doth hear. Because of this, you do not hear. Because of God, you are not. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, Do we not say well? 
that thou art a Samaritan and hast a demon? Jesus answered, I have not a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who is seeking it, seeking and is judging. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if anyone may keep my word, death he may not see to the age. The Jews therefore said to him, Now we have known that thou hast a demon. Abraham did die, and the prophets, and thou dost say, If anyone may keep my word, he shall not taste of death to the eighth. Verse 53. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Whom dost thou make thyself? All right. A very powerful passage. And uh, of the words of Jesus, uh, profound, of course and could only have been spoken by him. And the statements made by the Jews, I think, are in, in, in some way reasonable, especially when it comes to the idea of, of death, their understanding of death. They, they did not understand it. Um, they weren't looking at it in the same sense that Jesus was, of course. Um, but... I think to start with this, this passage starts with with the answer to the problem. Why, why do the unbelieving group that is still with with listening here to Jesus, because there was a, lar- a lots of a large group that were believing. Besides the apostles, there were others that were believing Jesus and what he was teaching. But Jesus says, "He that is out of." the God hears. And he that is not out of God cannot hear. That's the reason they're not hearing. The concept is is God. Uh, The relationship to the Father in heaven. You know, I think what we assume, uh, of course, just as we do today with churches, we assume just because these were Jewish people living under the covenant that they were all believers in God and had, a, had an understanding of him, had a, a relationship with him and his word that was a real valid and strong one. But apparently that's not true. Because Jesus makes it clear, he, those that had this relationship would hear the words of Jesus and know they had come from the Father. And that's a statement that was made that a person has to think about it, 
these people had to consider what Jesus truly meant by a statement such as this, because he's making it clear that he feels that those that are unbelieving are certainly not uh, of God. They do not have the proper relationship to their creator and to their their faith that they pro- profess. But he went on to another uh, to another statement that probably was just as shocking as the first. And what he says, if anyone, the word, my word, keep. That's the way the Greek has it. The word, my word, keep. You see, the word is God's word. The word is the original word from heaven. And my word, Jesus' word, is the same as. And the word keep uh, means that one would hold to it. It is who they are at that time. They This is their, uh, their character even. They are keeping it. It's in the third person. Now, he goes on to say this. If anyone, the word, my word keep, death, never, never, the double negative here, death will absolutely never shall he see unto the age. Now, of course, this this statement shocked them because they made a comment after this that, uh, well, Abraham has died and the prophets have died and yet you're saying you're putting yourself, and and that's the idea, uh, they were putting themselves, Jesus was putting himself in a place where he belonged, but they were not ready to accept that yet. Now, let's look at this. This isn't the only place this comment is made, friends. As a matter of fact, in the same gospel in chapter 11, as you'll remember in John chapter 11, the friend of Jesus, his name was Lazarus, had died. He had two sisters, and they had sent message to Jesus that their brother was ill. Please come and, and heal him and By the time Jesus delayed for three days, I believe, when he finally came, Jesus, uh, Lazarus had been dead for four days, I believe, at the time that Jesus showed up, after his delay and after his travel. And Jesus is talking to, um, we're going to look at verses 25 through 26 talking to Martha here and she is confident that her brother will be raised as it says in verse 24. Well, Jesus says in verse 23, but Jesus says to her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection 
in the last day. Now this gives us an idea, friends, that this is what was being taught not only by Jesus, but the Jews had an understanding of the resurrection and the last day of the covenant. So the mystery of this is with the people today rather than the people then. And it puts us in a very bad disadvantage if we do not understand what Martha already knows. But Jesus goes on to say to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he have died, shall live. And everyone who lives and believes on me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she does confirm the fact that she does believe what Jesus says. Um, Even though I'm sure that she was shocked by this herself. Because now this this never dying is, is, uh, is part of believing the words of Jesus. Didn't Jesus say in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life? All of these things come together to make a statement such as this, very valid. The truth will set you free. We've read in our study. So, the life, the truth, the way is found in one believing in the word of Jesus. That he makes clear that everyone knows that these words, the word he speaks is the very word that he heard from his Father. And also not only the words of Jesus, but the words of his apostles after his ascension. Because remember, the apostles had the mind of Christ. They were speaking the word of Christ. They had Christ within them, as was promised in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. So their word is valid as as Jesus' word. You know, it's interesting that, that the apostles have the same scent position, and the same authority to speak as Jesus had when he came from heaven. But it's all through the will of the Father, the God, the one true God of Israel, the one true God of all times, and even before time and after time. This is what we find. Well, they wanted to know, in that that last verse that I read from from, uh, John 8, uh, 53, the question that they raised, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, who died and the prophets died? Whom dost thou make thyself? I think this was a this was something they needed to know 
it's unfortunate they, that their heart and mind was so stony that they were not willing to at that time. Art thou greater than? The unbelievers asked. It was a good question. But the idea, or, or the, the real emphasis, I think, is, is going to follow. How do they deal with the answer? that Jesus is going to give them. He's going to give them a reason. And he's going to give them the uh, the reason that, that he can say and put himself in a position such as this. Because he speaks the word of his Father. He is the Jewish Messiah whom Moses said every Jewish person Every covenant person must listen to what he says and do as he says or be cut off from their in, cut off from their relationship to the covenant people of God. They understood this of the of the of the Messiah. But they were not dealing they were not giving Jesus the credit or the, they did not believe that he was the Messiah, those that were the unbelieving Jews. I'm trying to separate them in a way that's not um, too much of an insult. They simply were unbelievers. doesn't mean they couldn't become believers if they would do their due diligence to find out what Jesus is saying, why he says it, and and go back to their own uh, scriptures to find out about Jesus. Now, I think we probably should move on to the, re- the remaining part here. Verses 54 through 59. And I'll just say this, to know God is the key. And this was the shortcoming of the unbelieving Jews is the fact that they did not know God in in a sense that was useful to them in their faith. This is the danger of, I think, just taking things for granted, growing up in a society that assumes this and assumes that we, you know, as people do all over the world, um, they assume things just because the way it's been the Jewish people felt if they were born to Jewish parents, they had all the promises promised through Abraham and and were under the law, and all these things were theirs, but they, they forgot. They had forgotten that God required faith, even then. Always, from the very beginning. Faith in what God had said. Adam and Eve found out that to be faithless and do and rebel against God and what he had said brought a calamity upon them. Cain found out that after God had given him every opportunity to do right, he did evil and calamity with uh, came upon him. And this is the order of things in this, in this, uh, in this life, if you will. So let's read 54 through 59. Because Jesus is going to answer them 
And he begins, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who is glorifying me, of whom you say that he is your God. And you have not known him. Now that's a that's a powerful statement. And I have known him. And if I say that I have not known him, I shall be like you, speaking falsely. But I have known him, and his word I keep. Now he had already said that they were not keeping his word. Not the word of Jesus, nor the word of God, but the customs of men. The customs of religious men, <laughs> but nonetheless, not the word of God. Verse 56, Abraham, your father, was glad that he might see my day. And he saw and did rejoice. Only Jesus can say that. But he said it to them because he wanted them to know. The Jews therefore said unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and Abraham hast thou seen? Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, before Abraham's coming, I am. So he is saying he is older than Abraham. He was there before Abraham, simply. But, of course, to the finite mind, this would seem, this would be very difficult to to understand. Um, but it's, it's, it's a very important statement because it gives Jesus the, the place he, he deserves and, the, and the, truly the place that, that he is in. Before Abraham was, I am. It's just a simple statement. Um, the middle voice. Is it in the middle voice? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, in verse 59, this is what occurred. After Jesus said this, they took up stones that they may cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went forth out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, we've come upon passages such as this of crowds and people trying to do harm to Jesus, but he always, because of course it's not his time, he simply goes through them. And uh, and this is uh, an occurrence that we understand because of the of of who he was. <laughs> that should have been enough evidence right there. But Jesus' words and actions bring glory to his Father. And by the way, he always defers to his Father in all things, at all times. They had never heard him take any of this upon himself. But not so the unbelieving Jews. 
For as they dishonor Jesus in his words, they are dishonoring their father, God. And that, of course, is is a a, a real problem for them. Um, We find this even in the New Testament for the church teaching concerning the order of creation, how we find that in the in, in God's kingdom, in the order that he has placed, that Jesus has a head, and his head is his father. Man has a head, and his head is the Messiah, the Lord. And the, the woman has a head, and that is her husband or, or the man. And by honoring our head, we honor God in, in an ultimate way through the principle that God has. This is not man's order of things. Some may say, well, this sounds like some man put this together. Well, that, oh, that's not true. There's some men that think they're God. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't go along with that uh, concept at all, would they? No. But this is the true order. And this is what Jesus knew and that what they had forgotten to dishonor him, as they had dishonored the prophets and killed them, what were they doing? They were dishonoring their God, whom had sent them. That's why I say, not so the unbelieving Jews. They brought glory to no one except upon themselves, if that was the case. Now the Jews knew of the Father, just as the world knows all about Jesus at Christmas time, the baby in the manger, but does that mean they really understand who Jesus of Nazareth is? Who who is he really? Is he a celebration once a year on Christmas? That's what knowing the kind of knowledge the Jews had, the unbelieving Jews had of the Father. Jesus knows, that's the Greek word odi. Jesus knows the Father. And that, that Greek word gives the idea of an intimate knowledge, uh, a knowledge gained by, by uh, face-to-face, if you will, in our language, not, not through the teachings of men. No, that's how we learn. We learn through the teachings of, of men according to the scriptures. Now, see, if your teachings end with men, then you got a problem. That's why the apostles instructed the evangelists to speak only the things that they had preached, the instructions they had given. Many of what these, you have heard from me, they, Peter, Paul said. I'm looking for it here, but... You know the the word, the sayings that of God that Jesus in the Greek that's not the logos that's the rima rima and that's a it's a different it's a different word yeah than than the logos he does use logos in fifty five yeah because that's speaking of what he is doing speaking his of what word. he is doing uh, but is the is the rima is the sayings of God and that that's just what it is you can't have that without an personal, intimate relationship. Exactly. 
that's what the Logos is. Uh, that's why he, in John, the very first chapter of the Gospel, uh, he Jesus is called the Word. And that's the Logos. Uh, the Word is speaking of the Rhema of God, the Word of God, representing God. Um, Jesus said, if you have seen me, if you have seen me and heard me, you have seen the Father. That, friends, it's a critical statement. That doesn't mean that that Jesus is his Father. That means that if you have listened, if you've seen me and, and listened to my words, this is from the Father. So Jesus odied the Father. He knew the Father in the ultimate and intimate way. And the unbelieving Jews knew of the Father in the same way that the modern world today knows of what happens on Christmas Day. To, to give it, a, a, I think, a pretty good relationship. You know, it, it, it does seem Christ would represent the Father. And, and just in the same way that if when, when we're out and about and we're representing a company, or we're representing an idea, or whatever is going on, we aren't it, but we are representing it. And and that's exactly what, you know, he was giving them the message of God. Specific, really spe- specifically meant for them. Right. And his work for the Father is the same as the Apostles' work for the Lord. Amen. That's why I always include that, because what's lacking in Christendom today is the the authority and the understanding of the Apostles' Absolutely. teaching and doctrine. If it weren't so, we wouldn't have such a mess. But unfortunately, that's where we're at, and we need to bring it back because that is the teachings of the scriptures. You know, in, instead of being happy, grateful, and you know, emboldened by the fact that the that the message of Christ and our salvation was brought to the you know, gen, gen uh, I can't talk. Um, but yeah, but it was for us, our salvation. Right. So instead of embracing it, we ignore it. Which reminds me of what Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish. Because of his actions, that is his will. But this is what's misunderstood. Um, But we should, it's been, it's been read, it's been, it's been said. And, uh, uh, I can sympathize with the, the Jews of Jesus' day because of the, the situation. I can understand how they think when Jesus talked about Abraham in such a way they just weren't understanding it, even the idea of death. Because remember, death was a real thing. Satan, the, the power of Satan over, the, over men of that day was the power of death. That was their fear, their great fear, death. 
That was removed. In Christ, the idea of death is removed, the fear of it. Now, the, the physical death still occurs, but it has nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about in that way. Um, and Jesus makes it clear about Abraham. And not only does he say he was before Abraham, but he says that Abraham longed to see the what? The days of the Messiah. And did see it. That meant the Messiah was amongst them. Either then or before. Which was it? They already knew that when the Messiah came, the end of the age was at hand. So they understood it couldn't have been long before because the age didn't end. They understood that the Jewish age was still still going forward. Um, so, you know, that, that's why I mean about the logical statements of Jesus. If you sit down and think about what he said, and I'm sure that's just what people did, went back and said, but he said this. It can only mean this. And I'm sure many of them reasoned these things out and came to an understanding. But he says, Verily, verily, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, let's go to John, the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 17. This is Jesus' prayer as he is walking to Gethsemane uh, with the apostles. He makes, He has this prayer in chapter 17, in their presence, by the way. Uh, going down to verse 4 and 5. He's praying to his Father, and he says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have completed the work which thou givest me, that I should do it. And now, glorify me, thy, thy Father, along with thyself, with the glory which I had along with thee before the world was. So Jesus is preeminent with with the Father. Before what? Before the creation, right? This goes beyond if this goes before Genesis one one. Before that, we can't call it time because time was created in the first chapter of Genesis. <laughs> so we can't call it time, even though I want to so desperately to call it time. Uh, it's not time. It's, 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 the, it's, it's, it's God's uh, essence, if you will. And there was no sun in the sky to measure it. Right. So we would be lost without time, I suppose. Uh, but you know, um, those that live in the kingdom of God will live without time with, uh, without end, in other words, if you want to give it that, uh, which is almost an oxymoron in some ways. But um, we just don't need to worry about it. But Jesus was with the Father before that. And, of course, many came to know that and believe it. But that is a matter of faith. But Jesus said this in his prayer to the Father, along with so many other things. Matter of fact, John 17 is 
is one of my favorite passages because everyone involved in the kingdom is in this chapter. The Father, His Son, the Messiah, the Apostles, and those that will believe upon the Lord because of their teaching. That's the kingdom of God. Everyone's there in chapter 17. And all the grammar is there and all of the uh, the structure is there for us to understand these things. It's it's the textbook, if you will, to the, or to the rest of the Scripture. This is how we need to look at it. The pronouns are all perfectly placed because this is these are these words came from the the the, the mouth and the, the heart and mind of Lord Himself as recorded in the Greek language, so that we can understand what he said. But they were furious at his words. Some of them were. Some of them I sh- would have been absolutely, uh, just completely in, in a rejoicing mode because of these words because it meant that the Messiah was with them. But they could not harm him, nor could they contain him. As I believe it's in chapter 13 of, uh, of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus makes it clear that no one will stop him from going from here to there, or from doing everything that he must do for, for God as it says in the prayer. Uh, uh, Thou gavest me that I should do it. That will not be altered by the will of man, by the power of man, or the anything to do with man. That was accomplished, friends. Jesus was on the cross and he said, It is finished. The atoning work of the Messiah had been accomplished. And he gave up his spirit at that, at that point. Now what have we learned from this chapter? Quickly. Jesus, it starts this way. Uh, where, where we started at least. We, we didn't start at the very beginning of the chapter. We started after the, the occurrence of the woman called in adultery and all that went on there. But the first thing Jesus says is that he is the light of the world. And no truth, no word was ever more true than that. Because you see, we need light in the darkness to see the way. Very figurative speech. He was not an incandescent bulb or any, uh, any sort of uh, mechanical light. He was the light that showed the the truth and the way in a dark world. He was born into a dark world. The second thing is that God bears witness to who Jesus is and where that he, he had come from. Through what? The miraculous birth. The, the account of, of Jesus, the, the, his ministry as it begins, 
with John. John the Immerser. He knew who Jesus was because God had told him. He was a prophet. God had told him what to look for, that he would recognize the Messiah. And so he did, and so he said. The miracles. All of these things are just as powerful today, friends, as they were then. The third thing, the truth of Jesus' words sets men free. So many are not all that concerned with what Jesus said. Uh, They just want to go to heaven. Well, friends, uh, that's uh, you took the wrong fork in the road, if that's the idea. Because you need to know what Jesus said. Because he didn't say it for it, it to have no effect. Everything that he said needed to be said, needed to be recorded, so that we can read what he said. Because without those words, friends, we all would still be in our sins without those deeds. So the truth of Jesus, who he was then, who he was before the creation, and who he is today, all these things will set you free through the gospel, through the apostolic teachings and preaching of the new covenant. Lastly, to believe and do as Jesus says brings the life. If you'll notice in in our Bibles, many times, sometimes we find certain versions leave the definite article out, especially in front of the word life where it should be there in many times. I'm thinking of the the passage in not only the Gospel of John, but 1 John where in the first chapter, the idea of the life is not our physical, breathing uh, essence. This is the life. This is the life that when you have the life, you fear not death because your life is, is continuous. It's found in Christ. It will remain if you will. That's what in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 2. And the life has been manifested. That's the, the Lord, the Messiah. And we have seen, the we there, of course, are the apostles, have seen and bear witness and report to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has been manifested to us. Apostolic testimony, we have it. Like I said, we have more than the Jews had when Jesus was teaching to them. We have, they were without excuse, and what do you suppose we are? We have no excuse. I'm going to read the third verse in First John here. That which we, the apostles, have seen and heard we report to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is indeed with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
Now, isn't that just what Jesus wanted the people that he was speaking to to understand? That fellowship must come through the Lord when the Messiah was standing amongst them. Certainly, within this age, the New Covenant, I just think the I just think the words are profound, and it's not because it's the writings of John; it's because this is the direction of the inspiration for the for uh, the Gospel of John and the Epistles of John, first, second, and third. Some would say, "How come uh, the Gospel of John doesn't have an apocalypse ending? Uh, it doesn't have any a thing to do with the last the last days." Well, John wrote it. It's called a revelation of Jesus Christ. You don't need any more than that. And the reason he wrote it, the reason he saw it, is because the church had it before the end of the Jewish covenant so that they would know that the end, that the promises of to the first covenant people were coming to uh, volition fruition, both the, the, uh, the blessings and the curse would be taken care of at that time. Just remember, that Jesus commands that man keep his word and believe it to have any fellowship with our Creator. So we pray that we have all learned, once again, more and more, more about Jesus, what I know, as the hymn goes. It's a good one. And it's uh, it's a goal that we need to continue working at. We hope you have a blessed week as you are busy about your task for the Lord this day on the Lord's Day. And uh, and we'll join us again next week as we study once again the Word of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.